dedicating, when Samuel was dedicated and to the work of God and whatever age that it was, it's debated amongst commentaries and theologians of his age, but no doubt I'd say the mother kept him just as long as she could before she took him to the temple. It was probably the longest weaning date in history. I know it would have been if it would have been my child, and that's when she took him to the house of God. And uh, we all know the the story of Samuel after he was dedicated and the work that he done for God. And that's my heart, my heart's desire for each and every one of these children in this place is that they can be dedicated to God. And, and I, would, I would rather see them being evangelists, missionaries, Sunday school teachers than I would professional football players, baseball players. And Oh, Brother Samson, you don't mean, yes, I do mean that. I'm, I do mean that. I'd rather see them right here in the house of God as I would be the biggest celebrity out there. Hallelujah. Praise God. Influencers for Jesus and not influencers for social media. Hallelujah. I don't see much satisfaction in social media influencers. They have thousands of followers. For the most part, I've seen most of their lives ending in suicide and some kind of rehab. And then I think of all the thousands that they've influenced getting to where they're at today. But I'd rather see, I'd rather see them influencing people to live for God, to serve God, dedicate their lives to God. Hallelujah. Thankful for that. And, uh, but it, I feel like today that it's definitely a time that we need to wake up. We just, we see you sing a song around the church. Can you see the clock from where you stand? Can you tell the time by the pointing of the hand? Time is fast approaching. There's trouble in the land. Can you see the clock? from where you stand. In this fast-paced life that we're living in, we have so much offered to us to entertain, to keep us occupied without really realizing what time is it. In Romans, the 13th chapter, the 11th verse, it said, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer to us than we first believed. Some of the other versions versions says, and do this, understanding the occasion, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber for our salvation is nearer than we first 
believed. And that knowing the season, another version says, that it is now the hour for us to arise from sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. Do this, another, the English Bible says, do this knowing that the, knowing the time that it is already time for you to awake out of sleep for salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. You may be seated today. For a little while here, I just want to talk to us about knowing the time or knowing the season. What season are we living in? This morning at five o'clock, the alarm went off, and it seemed like a short night. It just seemed like, man, already, it's, it's five o'clock, it's time to get up, it's time to pray, it's time to start studying, and I know that probably scares some, they'll think, man, if this man's been at it since five o'clock this morning, we're in for a long long session this morning hallelujah and uh, I did do something this morning I don't normally do and that I got up and had fixed myself a little breakfast had a little nectarine and a, a banana and that was so good I chopped up another banana in a bowl of great grains cereal with sweetener artificial sweetener in it and so I'm, I'm kind of prepared for the long haul today. I, I, hallelujah. I, I could preach till 12 o'clock probably without any. I don't aim to do that, but I do want to do. I do want to wake us up today. I do want you to be aware of the time, and sometimes time passes so rapidly that man, it's morning already, and I've been working in the shop and look up and it'll be nine, ten o'clock of the evening. And I thought, man, it's, I've been, I'm out there doing something that I enjoy doing. And, uh, you know, time just so rapidly passes that we're not, not aware of the, of the, of the time frame. And um, that's, the, that's the way we're living today. People are so caught up and uh, we lose track of the time. But it's time to awake up. Knowing this time, it's time to awake up. And, and, and their, their Apostle Paul is bringing us into accountability here. And, the, and I'm going to go to Romans, the first chapter. This seemed like I'm kind of stuck in Romans this morning. The first chapter, in the first 10 verses, we see Paul is he's writing to the Romans and he's some of them he's never met and he's encouraging them and telling them a little bit about uh, himself and how he's making preparation to come and to be with him but he's wanting he's trying to establish them at this point he's trying to get them established even without him being there that he is coming but he wants them to be established by the time that he gets there. So in the first 10 verses, this is what he's doing. And in verse 11, he said, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may 
be established. And so what he's, what he's saying to them, I, I, I want you to be aware. I want you to know I, I am coming, but I, I want you to be established by the time that I get there, that you'll be ready for some spiritual gift that through my ministry, that when I get there, uh, that I can impart a spiritual gift into you, a special desire to live for God, not only to live for God, but to do a work for God. When you, we see Paul and his ministry is so unique. One time he is a perpetrator of murder and and persecution and uh, uh, he's on his way when on the the Damascus road when he's stricken 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 down by a light from heaven and it gets it gets his attention he said who are you lord and what is it that you would have me to do he was made aware already okay god i know who you are i'm persecuting people because of you but what is it that you really want me to do we can live a lifestyle and a life by the gray of whatever choosing uh, that we have today and we will f- read a little farther into this and to find out but when God arrests us we know that there is a work that we need to do and almost immediately we turn around and uh, different ones I know I make reference to Sister Stephanie a lot uh, but when she came from a world of alcoholism and drugs and just living on the street and when she came almost immediately upon her conversion uh, when she went to the shelter to stay because she had no other place uh, to stay. But almost immediately, uh, Sister Long, we've seen her begin to empty that shelter and begin to bring those people to the house of God. She knew very little about God herself. She knew very little about the Bible and about the stories in the Bible herself. But she realized, hey, There's more for me to do now that I'm turned around, now that God's got my attention. She began to bring people and to witness, uh, and a lot of times the whole uh, C-section or B-section is brother... uh, uh, Norlock would say would be full of people that Sister Stephanie was bringing, not knowing. This is the same way that Paul, from the time that he was struck down on the Damascus Road and this conversion that began to take place, God, what is it that you would have me to do and, 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 and fulfill to me? I am aware of you. I've been persecuting uh, uh, people in the church because of you, but now I know who you are, but I realize Uh, uh, that there's something different in my life that you're wanting uh, and what is it that you would have me to do and he began to get his instruction on where to go and almost immediately he begins to try to convert people and so rapid uh, was this conversion that people uh, that knew him uh, as the uh, the one that persecuted, the one that punished, the one that imprisoned uh, because of serving God. And so rapid was his transition in his ministry. Uh, uh, you said, well, I don't feel qualified uh, uh, to minister, but you're still not disqualified from doing a work for God. You can still hold Bible studies. You can still witness to people. You can still bring people to the church. You can still make immediate 
family aware that, hey, uh, God is coming and this world is ending. Uh, it's coming very quickly. Uh, uh, you can tell the time. Sister uh, Rita Dawson wrote a song, When Time and Eternity Meet. And it's talked about standing on the bank uh, of a river and on the crest of the hill, but she was watching time and eternity as it began to approach. Uh, and when time and eternity meets, when that angel steps out and puts one foot on the land and one foot uh, on the sea and blows the trumpet and declares uh, that time is no more. Uh, it's over. That dispensation of grace uh, is over. Uh, uh, I'm telling you something. That plan of salvation uh, is coming to a head uh, when that angel blows that trumpet uh, and declares that time shall be no more. Time and eternity has met. Uh, oh, I'm telling you something. We still have that opportunity today. Anybody can witness. Anybody can praise God. Uh, anybody can worship God. The Bible tells me, uh, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Paul in his writing and this, this conversion that has taken place, he's, he's consumed with doing a work for God. Brother Matherly, he's consumed uh, with Bible studies, whether it's uh, uh, by letter or by, in person. Uh, uh, but he keeps these letters coming uh, uh, to keep them encouraged. And like I said, uh, people's looking at him, people's fr afraid of him, uh, people still a little fearful uh, uh, do we want to admit that we're a Christian? Do we want to worship in the presence uh, of this man that was one time uh, prosecuting and persecuting? Uh, it was just a few days ago that he was doing this, uh, and now he's trying to act like one of us. Uh, sometimes uh, maybe in our community we've lived a life uh, uh, when I was young growing up, I had quite uh, uh, the reputation even to the point uh, that when Brother Walters was invited to church uh, and they, he said, well, where are you going? He said, we're going to Brother Kelly Sampson's uh, church over there in Racine. He said, oh, no. No, I'm not going there. I was I grew up around that boy. I knew him when he was young. And so this is kind of the mentality here that's going on with Apostle Paul uh, and his conversion. They're just not re really recognizing yet that there can be a change. Uh, in fact, it'll usually take a few years for people, Brother Tony, uh, they'll watch you. Uh, can that Tony Rosinski, can he be any different uh, than what we knew him of, of being a boy, young man uh, in this community. But after a year or two, uh, they see the change. Uh, hey, they, they become comfortable with, hey, uh, if this boy changed, uh, there has to be a God. Uh, and that's no maybe no doubt what Brother Walter's done uh, uh, when he come around a little bit and he saw the change uh, and he's seen the difference. Uh, uh, one of our uh, new converts that came uh, just the other day, 
begin, someone begin to witness to him uh, and to tell him, hey, things can be different. God will forgive you. Uh, you can have a different life. Uh, and he looked at them and it was Brother Matt's son and he said, is there really a God that will forgive me for everything that I've done? Oh, he told Apostle Paul once, he was praying about afflictions and he was praying about a thorn in his flesh and he just kept approaching God and approaching God and finally God said, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. You just be satisfied, Paul, that you've even got a chance to be in the house of God. My grace is sufficient. It's all forgiving. Oh, I'm telling you something today. I'm thankful for the grace of God. Because if it wasn't for his grace and for his mercy, where would I be today if I was even here at all? And I'm thankful today that I finally just made up my mind and give it all, just give everything, give it all to God and let God begin to work in my life and I have never regretted that. But Paul said, in the, finally in verse 11, he said, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. In other words, I want to get there. I, I, I want to preach to you. I, I, that's what I want to do this morning. I want to try to get you established. But uh, uh, while we're doing this, I want you to, uh, to be aware of the time that we're living in. And it said, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And we'll read a little bit here in a little while about from faith to faith. Uh, there is probably a, maybe 150, 200 individuals uh, in here this morning. Uh, each one of us was dealt the measure of faith. And so some, some faith, uh, people's faith may be strong. Some people's faith may be encouraged this morning. Some may be here to have their faith encouraged uh, and lifted up this morning and to become a little more steadfast uh, uh, in the truth. But from faith to faith. Uh, whatever your story is here this morning, uh, God's got a work for you. God's got a place for you. God's got a, got, got a kingdom, a work uh, in his kingdom that he wants you to do uh, and to be established in this morning. And this is what Paul is talking about. And not only am I here to encourage you, but iron sharpens uh, iron. You run with the strong, you become strong. You become... You run with the weak. You see no need to be strong because uh, everyone around you is weak. And if you feel like uh, uh, you're just kind of status quo, that, uh, uh, that becomes the nature of running with the weak. Uh, but I want to become strong this morning. Uh, I want to become stronger in the, in the presence uh, of the Lord this morning. I, when I was growing up, it was uh, try to outdo everybody. If one was hanging uh, or carrying 
carried two she- a sheet of sheetrock. Uh, you carried two sheets of sheetrock. Uh, and if they carried two, you tried to carry three uh, or four. I think that may be some of the reason I'm in the shape that I'm in today. But that was just uh, the way that we were. Uh, uh, if somebody got a first base, you wanted to hit a second. Uh, uh, hit, get the second base or hit a home run. If somebody uh, jumped their motorcycle a uh, hundred foot, you was shooting for a hundred and fifty foot, uh, and that's just the way it was uh, uh, when we grow grew was growing up. Uh, uh, we just wanted, to, you know, we were uh, we were influenced by the strength of others uh, and the ability of others that was around us. Uh, today, it doesn't seem like uh, that anybody can be impressed with that. Uh, it doesn't matter what you can do if you uh, uh, can lay more floor, more tile, hang more sheetrock, uh, uh, frame more studs in an hour, uh, well, you, nobody's impressed. You're, nobody tries uh, uh, to outdo that. Uh, uh, so that, what I'm saying is uh, uh, it's hard to get people today uh, to impress them or to motivate them uh, or to move them. But Paul's saying, uh, when I get there, maybe I can motivate some more of you uh, and instill a spiritual gift into you uh, that you'll desire to be more than what you are today. Sometimes being a minister, it's hard to make people realize that you want them to be better than what they are and that you want them to go to heaven more than what they want to go to heaven. Make them realize the necessity for something different in their life more than what they feel. But he said, I wouldn't have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purposed to come to you, but was led hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So much as in as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Hallelujah. So he's just very rapidly, just like his conversion, he's going from his introduction into his letter and even as we get into verse 16, he is already ministering to the church or to the new converts that he's never seen in Rome. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. It doesn't matter who you are today. You just need to get a good dedication in your life like the young man or the man that dedicated this property to brother. Uh, when brother Caleb was talking to him and uh, even though in this conversation he found out that apostolic Pentecost was his least favorite people in the world mainly due to the introduction that he had to them when he was a child. So if you think you're holier than thou or you've got an old attitude that's a a goody two-shoe or better than you attitude, you just better know that you're going to affect everybody around you and in those in your community. And uh, uh, he looked at Brother Caleb after he told Brother Caleb, you are my least favorite religion on the face of the earth. 
because of the way he was treated as a child by people that call themselves Pentecostal. But he, in this conversation, he looked at Brother Caleb and he said, are you ashamed of what you are? Brother Caleb is not as old as I am. Maybe a little younger, maybe would like to have a little more influence in the business community. Could have, uh, you know, him hawed around, but no doubt him hawing around. We wouldn't have been in this building, in this location here today. But he looked Mr. Walker in the eye and he said, no, sir, I am not ashamed of who I am. I'm not ashamed of what I stand for. I'm not ashamed of the way that I worship my God. I'm just not ashamed to the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith hallelujah hallelujah from the righteousness of God from brother brother Adam's got his story sister Kelly Rose has got her story sister Stephanie's got her story every individual in this place today has a story to tell how they come into conversion how God got them uh, to where they was but when you come to God what are you saying faith to faith when you come they that come to him must believe uh, and they must believe that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Each and every one of us had to come to God today sick of the lifestyle, sick of the way we were living. Even though you're comfortable today, even though you're enjoying life today, you're not going to tell me of a nighttime when you lay down that there's not an emptiness, that there's not a void, that there's not something in you that's leaving you feeling that life is incomplete, that there's an insecurity there knowing that if God came. Somebody just made mention of this the other night in preaching. Every night when they would go to bed, oh God, don't come tonight. God, please don't come back. I'm not ready. Give me another chance. Give me a little more time. The Bible talked about when it was night they would pray and wish that it was day. And in the day so miserable, they wish it was night that they could just sleep and maybe escape a little bit of the condemnation and the conviction that was taking place in their heart. But the Bible tells me that in either place they can find no rest. This is what Apostle Paul is talking about. Now is the time. It's high time to wake out of your sleep and to realize that there's more to do for God than what you're doing this morning. Oh, I'm telling you something from faith to faith. We've got to have faith this morning. We've got to believe in that faith. Brother Winkler is what keeps us holding on. If we didn't have faith and trust in God, that he was going to be our comforter, that he was going to give us beauty for ashes and a garment of praise for the cloak of heaviness. I've seen Brother and Sister Zeal standing up here this morning with this precious little baby, but I could take 
you. Uh, and my memory went back even as we were praying this morning uh, uh, to the hospital room. Uh, oh, when it wasn't near as sweet a uh, uh, situation as it was here, uh, we were holding a baby that was stillborn, uh, a baby that would never share life, uh, a baby that we could never share, share their aff- love and affection uh, with. Everybody was weeping. Everybody was crying. Everybody uh, was sorrowful. I remembered that uh, as I prayed this morning. Uh, But the faith was, uh, if they didn't have confidence in God, uh, they would have never tried uh, ever again to have another child. Uh, But because of their faith in God, uh, almost just about a year uh, later, we're standing here with a new baby boy uh, that God has given life uh, and joy and happiness and with faith and joy they came up here and they made this dedication for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. We know God's going to punish ungodliness and unrighteousness. He said, be holy even as I'm holy. That's what it means to be Christ-like. To be holy just like God is. I want to tell you something. That, that's, a, that's a pretty broad spectrum in a way. But I know it narrows down, but it's, it's, it's to, to be... To be God-like, Christ-like. And they hold the truth in unrighteousness. I've seen men of God that I had great confidence in. Conference speakers that could move entire congregations to pray, to rededicate, to... And they, and then themselves get caught up in immorality of whatever nature preaching the truth but still being unrighteous is what I'm saying because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made I, I, uh, I have trouble with evolutionists and brother Norlock you know talked about how to answer uh, an atheist, but I, I, I look around and, 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 when, and when I read this scripture this, this morning, the things that are made even, you know, clearly understand that there, there, there is a God and a creation by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. We can just look around and understand that there is a God, that there is a God that created this world, this earth that we live in uh, today. But because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. 
as intelligent as we are today. Whether it's artificial intelligence, we have access to intelligence, to intellect today. I think AI, uh, 99 point something percent of the time is accurate. So really there's much, there's not much excuse today to be ignorant in this day and age that we live in. I am not really a tra tractor transmission specialist, but here the other day I had some bearings go out and some things went wrong. And the next thing I know, we're knee deep in gears and bearings and, and not really having a whole lot of knowledge about that. But I, I could go to Google, I could go to, uh, uh, you know, uh, get online and I could bring this thing up and it instructed me on how to do this. So uh, even though I, I, I had no thorough knowledge of this, I had access to knowledge and uh, a lot of times we're faced with situations in, in this world that we live in and we don't really know how to cope with it. Now we can go and see uh, psychologists and counselors and, uh, uh, and I know there's some good ones out there but uh, Pastor Ken Bo, as far as I'm concerned, one of the greatest ministers in the apostolic ranks was having marital problems. He takes his wife uh, to the marriage counseling and uh, just a few days his the counselor is dating and, and living with his his wife that she's counseling and that that's brother brother Ken Bo uh, that, that's his confession he shared that but he sought counseling and then the counselor uh, wound up with his wife is what I'm trying to say here today uh, but we have no excuse today because we have this word of God cursed is the man that put his trust in the flesh Make arm, the arm of flesh his trust. And uh, uh, there's a lot of times we can be helped with these situations, but uh, I've, I've been made more and more aware of that, that we're better off to go to the Word of God to get our intelligence and our knowledge. The Bible said, if any man lack knowledge, uh, ask of him. If you need knowledge, just start praying about it. God, what are you talking about? God will give you direction. Uh, God will tell you the way to go. God will tell you the things uh, that you need to do. The Bible said a good man's steps uh, are ordered of the Lord. So if you're laying in your bed at night uh, and God's convicting you, God is working on you, uh, uh, God's trying to tell you that you need to get up and you need to get you and your family uh, get some dedication about your life uh, and come to the house of God. That's a good man's steps being ordered uh, of the Lord. You better thank God that he's dealing with you. Uh, you better thank God that he's pulling with you. Uh, the Bible says, and you better be do something about it while he's dealing with you because he said, my spirit will not always strive with man. God is a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. There'll be a time that you won't feel that pull There'll be a time that your wife won't say, why don't we go to church this morning? You think we ought to get the kids 
today, honey, and go and go to church? Do you think uh, uh, I, I've been concerned about our lifestyle? I, I, I'm feeling different. I'm feeling a, an, an urge that we need to do something. It's time that we make a change. We've enjoyed uh, the pleasures of sin for a season. Uh, oh, there's going to come a time that 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 spirit will no longer pull at you. That that conviction will no longer uh, uh, nibble at the back of your conscience uh, and, and, and try to bring you to the house uh, of God. What are you talking about? Uh, knowing the time, knowing what's going on. Uh, now it's time to recognize the season of your life that you in and make that dedication to God. God, it's going to be different. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to take my family to the house of God. So many times I see people with children at that vulnerable age that the devil sells them a bill of goods. And they take those precious children out of the house of God. And not every time, but a lot of the times because of those decisions, you see older adults sitting on a church pew. Prayer request time in the gray, they're saying, You've seen it. I know you've seen it. Pray for my children. Pray for my children. And it's because of the lifestyle that we portrayed to those kids for whatever amount of time is the reason that they're at where they're at today. professing themselves to be wise they become fools and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like to corruptible man into birds and four footed beasts and creeping things Paul is talking about a time of idolatry and Israel was so easily led off time after time into idolatry. This is what always, sometimes we put so many other things before God. We wonder why we're not blessed, we're not prospering, and we don't live for God just to prosper and to be blessed. But that is part of the plan. They would go into bondage and they would come out of bondage or sin, however you want to refer to it as. But it always, idolatry always led them into bondage. Idolatry has no written rules, nothing to hold. Therefore, when you start putting other things before God through a process of time, you're taken to a place that you didn't think you would ever wind up. 
you catch your children involved in things that you didn't ever think they'd be involved in. But it's mainly because parents, and it's just kind of ironic this morning that we had a dedication, but in everything that I told Brother Zach and Sister Jessica this morning, you need to understand that there's no room for mistakes with these children. There's no room for mistakes in educating a child. It's, it's, it's got to be right from the time they start until the time uh, that they graduate. But those younger years play such an important part in a child's life. In a young convert's, the sooner you find a love for God the ways of God, a love for this word of God, that Bible reading becomes regular in your life. Church attendance becomes regular in your life. The job is not more important than the house of God. I grew up, my mom and dad never had a lot of money. Sometimes we had no money. I've never known, Brother Nathan, what it is to have a, a whole lot of money, but I know what it is to not have any money. But my dad's first priority was always the house of God. In my younger years, we talked about a drug problem. I had a drug problem. I was drugged to every church service in the country, to every camp meeting, to every youth, to youth rally, every youth night. I was, you're going to it, boy. That was my drug problem growing up. And through all of that, I still had a carnality problem. I'm not justifying myself. I, I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't an alcoholic. Brother, different ones testify about their problem in life. I was just carnal as a frog. Is, was my problem and that's as dangerous as anything that you could be addicted to in life and that's the addiction that I have just carnal minded hallelujah and, uh, uh, but to get a love for God and so uh, if anything takes precedence over this and the quicker that this child sees this desire and Sister Sampson I'll never forget when she's talking about uh, different ones they're going to make it they found the prayer room they're learning how to pray they're learning how to read the word of God and to fall in love with the ways of God that's a pretty good indication uh, that you're going to make it the faith uh, is beginning to build you don't want to miss church because you don't want to miss any preaching uh, regardless of how high it is or how dread and boring that it is it's still the unadulterated word of God and you get this desire for this preaching of the word and uh, faith, Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. This morning that somewhere in this service uh, regardless if it's exhilarating ex or if it's boring you to death somewhere you need to grab some good. I go places uh, that I with somebody else that I don't really care about 
about that particular restaurant, but I don't sit there and go without. I guarantee you, I can uh, find a taco, a burrito. I can find a, a salad. I'll find something, uh, but I'm going to have a little str- more strength when I leave that place, regardless if I like uh, the whole menu. Well, I don't like uh, nothing to do with your church. Well, you probably uh, in the wrong church, uh, but since you're coming, uh, you need to find just a little bit of tidbit here, uh, uh, maybe a, a little uh, a slice of cheese over here, but get something out of this message uh, this morning that will build your faith uh, and make you aware that Jesus Christ is coming back and you don't want to be lost. You want to be ready. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The other scripture talked about praying, finding that prayer room. Pray in the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. Everybody knows Pentecostals, they speak in tongues. They pray to God until the Spirit gives utterance. What are you talking about? When you pray until the the Spirit gives utterance, you have crucified this flesh, you've pushed this flesh uh, out of the way and you begin to speak in a heavenly language that you yourself, you have no idea. I don't know how many converts after converts. uh, I have no idea what I felt. I had no idea what I was even saying. I know I tried to stop and I couldn't stop uh, and this heavenly language just kept flowing uh, out from me. Let me tell you a little bit of what's happening there. Uh, uh, you got three uh, three situations going on, uh, and then the, you got the spirit on the left. You got the carnal man uh, that's in the middle, you and your fleshly uh, uh, mind, and then you got the spirit over here uh, on on the other side, the Holy Ghost. Uh, and when you pray, uh, I'm telling you something. Uh, and when that flesh steps out of the way. Uh, And these other two begin to communicate. Uh, This flesh has nothing to do with it. Uh, And that spirit uh, is given utterance. uh, And it begins to feed that spiritual man. Uh, You got the Holy Ghost. You got the spiritual man. uh, And they're feeding on one another. Uh, What we need to do today is to push our fleshly desire uh, out of the way. uh, And get something out of the prayer room. uh, Something out of the ministry. uh, Something out of the worship service. Uh, that's going to hold you uh, until you can get back uh, to the next service. But they begin to look at other things and begin to put other gods before this God that we're preaching about this morning. The uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. That's why we come up to his level. He can't come down to us. He doesn't have a sinful nature. But we have that sinful nature. That's that magnetism that I talked about in the dedication that's always constantly drawing us away from the spiritual attributes of this word of God. 
Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own heart. They had no guidelines. I remember a few years ago they tried to revive Woodstock and bring it back and uh, all them old hippies and they remember all of that uh, free love and uh, uh, just doing whatever you wanted to do and no guidelines and they tried uh, to get that going and they have had, you know, different concerts and the gatherings around, uh, but none seem to be as, 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 I don't know, great and enticing as the day that Woodstock was. But what I was impressed with when they began to get a hold of some of them old groups uh, uh, that sang at Woodstock and come back to help them promote a lot of those and my hat was off to them, they began to refuse. Uh, they said, no, I, I remember those days and how many of us uh, run amok, how many of us went down, how many of us overdosed, how many of us uh, is not here today because we he had no guidelines, no jurisdiction uh, uh, to keep us uh, uh, in line. And we're not interested uh, in coming back and reliving and going through that again today. Uh, I'm thankful that one day he brought me out of darkness uh, into his marvelous light. Uh, I have no desire to go back to the world. Uh, I have no desire to be carnal, uh, which it'll come if I don't watch it, if I don't pray, uh, and I don't fast. But I have no desire to go back to those days with no guidelines uh, when you said anything you thought anything uh, and you done anything because you did not have uh, those guidelines of this word of God uh, and no respect for the word of God Amen. through the lust of their own flesh they begin to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. I'm getting down here today. I'm not very far from finishing this morning. But knowing the time. How many's got news break on their phone? Anybody have a news break? Have you ever read as much horrendous, heinous crimes committed? And whatever that headline is, when you read that, it'll bring you, as long as you want to read, it'll just keep bringing up crimes and, and everything that relates to the story you just read. There's no end to it. There's no end to it. Change the truth of God into a lie, worshiped and served the creator more the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. And for this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. Can you see where I'm going this morning? Oh, preacher, is it really time really getting close? Are we really? You don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand the time that we're living in. Preacher, you're way above my mentality. I don't even believe there's a God. Well, how could they, up to 4,000 years ago, predicted exactly the things that are taking place today? Amen. 
God gave them up to vile affections. What's vile affections? Download Newsbreak and start looking at child abuse. Start looking at what men are doing to other men and women are doing to other women and what men are doing to, to it's, it, 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 vile affections. I made mention this morning, you don't just take down the road and send your kid a mile to the neighbors. We don't let kids, when I grew up, we rode horses and, and rode bikes until I was 15, 16 years old. Yes, I did know how to drive, but that was just, that was just the mentality. But a lot of times I would ride from 43 Highway all the way back over here in the woods to the Durbans. We would ride bikes all day long as hard as we could ride. Then we would ride the, the five or six mile back home, whatever, whatever that distance was. And there was no danger. We didn't feel, fear, feel any fear. We had, we had no, no concern uh, for safety. But you can't do that in this day and age that we live in. It, it doesn't matter if you're a grown man, if you're a grown woman, or you're, you're a child. You're vulnerable. What was the man's name that used to be here for a while, brother? His son was abducted. Blackburn's son. He was kind of a different kind of a guy. But when I found out some of his history, his son left home and was kind of like the prodigal. Dad, I'm coming home. I want to come home. I'm going to go back to church. And he started making his journey home, hitchhiking. Was befriended by a couple young men. This is all documented history that you can go back and read. They picked him up. They drugged his drink. And when he woke up from the restaurant where these friends was giving him a ride, giving him a meal, buying him a drink, he wakes up in captivity. And these young, two young boys was getting men for this pervert and bringing them to him. And they would, as a trio, would molest and to torture. Horrible the things that they said they'd done and say, Went through case after case individually, showing all the evidence. The man that, that was being prosecuted and the two boys, when they got to the case of Brother Blackburn's son, they stopped that case and they said, out of everyone, and I think, I don't know, 30, 20, 30, 40 people that this went on and had bodies hid in the wall, bodies hid, mass graves. Out of all the people, there was something different about this young man. He screamed, he cried, he begged, he prayed and pleaded with us not to take his life because he said, I'm a Christian and I am not ready to die. 
in this trio brutally, brutally mutilated this young man and took his life. Him begging and screaming and crying, I'm not ready. That voice on the inside of him. I'm not trying to scare you into praying this morning because if I can scare you in, the devil can lure you right back out. But I'm just trying to tell you, he recognized that the time I need to do something different than what I'm doing. Dad, I'm coming home. The prodigal son is a great story. The prodigal, he made it back. He was restored to full authority. He was restored fully to the family. But this story tragically does not end that away. What are you saying, Brother Samson? I'm trying to make you aware of the time that we're living in. I know that you've got a King Agrippa mentality this morning. You're thinking, I need more time to think about it. I just want to think about it and make sure that I'm ready to do it. My spirit's not always going to strive. You're not always going to feel that pull. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemingly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Oh, I'm telling you something. We see the, the, the tragic end to sin. We see the AIDS that's, uh, uh, that's crept into the homosexual uh, uh, community. You don't hear a, a whole lot about it anymore and they very rapidly begin to seek cures uh, uh, for the, for this disease and not only uh, in the homosexual community but in the drug use uh, uh, community also And uh, uh, but we see this disease as it begin to take uh, a hold of them. That, they, they, that recompense uh, of their error that reward for their error that they were involved in uh, so they try to seek a cure. Uh, it's like I talked about when on the day of judgment when they're going to say uh, they're going to cry for the rocks and the mountains uh, to fall on them and hide them from the face uh, of him which sits on the throne even on judgment day uh, they're not wanting to repent uh, they're not wanting to do anything different uh, they just don't want to have to fess up uh, for the lifestyle that they've lived hide us from the face uh, of him that sits on the throne uh, even knowing that that recompense of the reward. People go on daily doing the same thing. And we get the same results. You want the same results uh, that you've always got. Continue to do the same thing you've always done and those results will never change. The recompense of that error was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. What, what, what are we looking at in society today? Well, it'll go in about... Ever so often, timing's just right. There'll be some whack bird go off his nut and grab a gun and go to a concert or, God forbid, a, a, a public school. 
even went into a Mennonite school, the most nonviolent people in the world here a few years back and just began to kill all them young Mennonite children. That's the mentality that the world we've got to give over. We've been given over. Get rid of the guns. Get rid of the guns. It's not the guns. It's the violence. It's the culture. It's the social media. It's the pornography. It's all of this stuff that, that, that's programmed into the minds of these children. If you don't like the situation, just push the button, end it, and we'll start all over. I was, I guess, bullied when I went to school. I, I you know, I don't know. I went to a, a school in a town, of, you know, if you didn't work at Goodrich or Melnot or wherever, you just really kind of didn't fit in. Mom and dad never had a lot of money. I wasn't involved in, in, in sports. I, I just really didn't fit in. But I never did. I never did want to grab a gun, which was plentiful. We went to school with them hanging in the rack in our back window. My boys come to the shop class on Tuesdays. They may not carry a knife any other. We'll get in trouble carrying that at school. Most of them go to the Christian school. I said, not if you'll keep it in your pocket and be responsible with it. Use it like it's supposed to be used. You come to my class, boy, you have a, you have a knife in your pocket. Because I'm going to teach them how to be responsible with that. Well, what would you do if you're in shop class and one of them ever pulled it out and said, I'll stab you with that? Would you be offended if I backhanded him backwards in the mouth and knocked him over in the corner? Because that's probably what would happen. But I'd rather it happen with me in 20 years or 10 years in a detention or a penitentiary somewhere. They won't let them pray in school, won't give them, let them share the word of God in school. When they go to the penitentiary, one of the first things they issue them is a Bible. Does that make any sense? Why don't you introduce that Bible at the young age? We got kids in here that can quote the whole first and second chapter of Acts. We may do a little bit of that here tonight, but I, I'd rather them have the word of God in their heart than some porno addiction and some uh, uh, fornicating uh, addiction in their heart where they forsook the prayer room and the ways of God and God's given them over to reap uh, that reward of their ungodly ways. being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. I'll tell you something. We, we, we got kids that's failed here, and we'll have kids in the future that fail here. But dear God, we don't grab them by the hair of the head and throw them out in the street. If you get malicious... Coveting somebody's wife, coveting somebody's, I wished I had their job or the, I wished I had that car and they had a feather in their nose, we'd both be tickled. But you know, covetousness, you, I'm reading here, falls right in there with fornication and with maliciousness and envy, murder, even murder. So what if they 
did fornicate or adulterate or covet or whatever, and we maliciously run them out of the church, we're as guilty as they are because maliciousness is right in here with fornication and wickedness and covetousness and envy and murder, debate, deceit, malignity and whispers, backbiters, haters of God. We have people that have faced so much trouble in their life that they literally hate God. And God never had anything to do with that situation. You hate God because of this, hate God because of that. In my office one day, I dealt with a young lady. She had a tragic, traumatic lifestyle growing up. She was physically abused, mentally abused, and sexually abused. And she had trouble trusting God. And she was blaming God. And didn't want anything to do with God because of her lifestyle. And I tried to convince her, you've not seen anything that God's had to do with. The next day, that, that next day, got a call. The house was on fire. Her and her, that little boy was trapped in the upstairs. She broke, the flames were coming up the stairways, gases building up in the bedroom upstairs. She broke the window out. The window exploded when she broke it and the air intermingled with the gases, exploded, blowed her out of the upstory house, broke her back. She laid on her back and looked up at her little five-year-old son and he burned to death while she laid with a broken back and helpless, hating God. I thought, Bobby, wouldn't it have been so much easier to just put your confidence in God even though unfortunate circumstances that you never had anything to do with, that God never had anything to do with, totally out of his control, and put your trust and your confidence because he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But she was a hater of God. Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parent. Have you ever seen a time They, they come up with stuff on social media now, especially in the porno division. We couldn't even think of when we were children. We, we couldn't even think of it. Today, if you can think of it, and you can even get remotely close to spelling it out, Social media will reveal that to you and they'll bring it up. I mean, the most vile, vulgar thing you can think of, if you can print it, it'll bring it up and show it to you. It'll feed that desire. 
inventors of evil things. And more than likely it started with this next one, disobedient to parents. Without understanding, covenant breakers. A man's word doesn't mean anything anymore. You go buy just a car at the dealership. I promise you, if you're buying a brand new car, with the credit and, and the extended warranty and all those things, I'd, I'd be safe to save 10, 15, 20 documents that you have to sign. Sign or initial, or put an X here, because society has learned however many documents you sign, some shyster has used that before to cheat them. In my day, if you went down and you just signed your name on one paper to buy this car, if that car broke down in six months, if that car broke down in three or four weeks, you didn't take it back down there and shove it down the finance company's throat. You manned up and you paid for it. You worked extra hours. You got it fixed and you paid that thing off because that was your word. That's what you told that man. You didn't stipulate, if it's a good one, I'll keep it. No, you signed your name that you was going to buy it, pay for it. Covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Let me deal with this natural affection anymore. There's people in this building has talked to me on their, in their employment, their place of work. Transvestites, bisexual, don't make any difference. No natural affection. And it's not only man with man, woman with woman, it's people with animals. There's no natural affection in this world that we live in anymore. Now, I'm not going to justify fornicating situations and say, well, at least they was looking at a woman or at least they was, the woman was looking at a man. I can't justify that, but I, uh, there is an, uh, a place in me that's more comfortable dealing with that, I guarantee you, than I would one of these situations I'm talking about. But there's no natural affection. Forget the sexual orientation. How are people treating their children? Again, back to this, I read where took her four and five-year-old son and put him in a basement with a blanket. Beat him, kicked him. Ribs were broken. Brain concussions. All because he wasn't potty training to their specifications. Dear God, take the child down to DFS and say, here, I can't teach him to pee in the potty. I can't teach him how to use a potty chair. I want to kill him. I want to beat him. I want to stomp him. Where is our natural affection in this world today that we live in? And you think God's not coming soon? Knowing the time, it's high time to do something different. Well, I don't have as strong of 
of, 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 of conviction that I need to have. I, I don't feel the need to repent. I'm telling you something. Look at the times. Look at the signs of, of the times. Look at each, and, each entity that I've dealt with today without natural affection and unmerciful beating grandparents to death because they won't loan them the car, beating them to death because they, 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 they won't give them any money, beat them to death because of the, 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 uh, the medicines that they have. And the, it goes on and on. I, I can't even deal with it this morning. It's entirety because it goes on and on and on. And besides that, it's so depressing but there's no natural affection. There's no mercy. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Knowing this little, this little baby boy after he was beat to death, after he was starved, after he was left in a cold, dark basement. Oh, God, I can only imagine. I was so scared of the dark at that age. Uh, I, was, I was afraid of anything that moved in the dark, but I thought, I thought of all the nights that this young boy spent in this basement with no consolation, not being able to run down the stairs like Brother Sampson was able to do. Uh, and my dad would hear me coming a lot of times, uh, uh, Brother Tim, and he'd have that blanket back. Uh, man, I slid in right beside my old dad right before the booger man ate me up and consumed me. And uh, he'd get me in there and say, it's going to be all right, son. You're with daddy now. I th and I thought of all of those times and that young boy in that basement with no mercy, uh, no natural affection until they literally stomped the life out of him and then tells the jury how much I miss him knowing what her punishment was going to be, still carried out all these horrific events in the child, child's life. The dad allowing the mom to do it, the mom allowing the dad to do it. Like, well, I've got a rough life. I'm a foster child. You better thank God that you're a foster child and God's put you where he's put you and kept you from this unnatural affection and no mercy. But knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death and not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do this. Look at your court documents. Look at the last statements that people make before they're sentenced, even after that they're sentenced. I wished I'd have done it sooner. I wished I'd have drug it out longer because of no natural affection and even after sentencing. This morning as they get ready to sing, There's a judgment day coming. There's a time coming that we're going to be rewarded for every misdeed that we've done. It gets on close to that. The Bible said you're going to give account for every idle word. 
Oh, God. It's going to take a while for old Brother Samson in his carnal state for all the useless things and comments that I made, Brother Gray. Oh, God. I'm glad that he puts them in a sea of forgetfulness to never remember them again when you repent. Just a Because there'd never be any end to Judgment Day. But looking around, knowing that God has to be on the brink of returning. God's coming back. God's going to judge us. But how many will walk out today knowing, knowing that Judgment Day is coming? And looking at the signs of the time, it can't be very long until God comes back after his church. A church that's kept themselves unspotted. Not being separated from the world. There are shadows in the Why do you do? Why do you not go? How come you don't go over here? Why don't you do this? I just want to try to live a life that's clean and separated and holy before God. That lines up with this book because Jesus is coming. I never knew, Brother Samson, you do now. Knowing the time, I've showed you the signs that ought to make you aware of a God that's coming back after his church that's kept herself spotless and made herself ready, unadulterated from the world. Can you see it this morning as you stand? He's coming. Someday you're not going to feel the urgency for church attendance. Someday you're not going to feel the the urgency for Bible reading. God's just going to quit dealing with you. God's just going to pull back. 